Ladies and gentlemen, in the blue corner, standing at a sleek 5'11", 245 pounds, the tumultuous tempest of technique, Thomas Lilly. And in the red corner, at a curvaceous 5'11", 315 pounds, the jovial juggernaut of judgment, John Cheryl Sheridan. A meeting of the masters of mastication turn your attention as they delve deep into all things lifting and more. This is Peak Speak. And we're back with exciting news. Yes, we are now professional. We have a sponsor for the show, which is awesome for us, but even more awesome for you. Indeed, because who doesn't love a sweet, sweet online shopping discount code? And in this case, it's an online shopping discount code that gets you delicious coffee delivered to your doorstep. From our good friends, Prism Coffee, who are four Canberra lads who I've known for a while. Uh, who've all worked in and around the specialty coffee industry for some time now and now uh, out on their own they've got a roaster they're roasting beans uh, and just generally kicking ass with delicious coffee so john how do the people get this amazing <laughs> discount you speak of go to their website which is prismcoffee.com.au pick from the couple of different blends and some single origins that they've got you can get it ground you can get it in whole beans if you prefer to grind your own they've got all of the options uh, and then you use the code PEAKSPEAK in the discount bit of the shopping cart and uh, you'll get a sneaky 10% off and it'll rock up on your doorstep in some amount of time I don't remember exactly what it is but I think they express post everything so hopefully quickly perfect Amazing. And well, that's it. Without further ado, here's, here's the episode. Yeah. Enjoy. Presented by Thomas Lilly and John Sarah and Baby Cry in the Background, not included. Excellent. There it is. Smack. Man, yeah, I've got a hack for almost, you. I definitely almost dropped that all over the floor. <laughs> Get Diet Right Cordial and put it in either that or in lemonade. It would change your life. Oh, yeah. Yeah, man, I've been on a massive sugar-free solo <laughs> kick lately. Yeah, it's good, hey. Because yeah, it's just as good as real solo, but I can drink a one point two five liter. Of it. Yeah, nice. I haven't tried the sun kissed. It's good. It's also mount, equally as the good. mountain juice not as good as the yeah, it's actual a bit mountain funky. Dew. Yeah, something about it that's not as good. Um, did you ever have yeah. mountain dew red alert? No, I don't think I did. It was like the heavier caffeinated version. Fuck, it's so good. Yeah, I'm down for pretty much anything that's a heavier caffeinated version of something else. <laughs> like, hey, take that caffeinated beverage and just put more caffeine in it and I'll probably enjoy it more. I feel like in many ways you're probably the heavier caffeinated version of me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like emphasis on heavier and caffeinated and heavier caffeinated. Heavier beard. Yeah. I'm, heavier, I'm down for that. Heavier life. Yeah, is it? Yeah, you've got a kid and a dog and cats. I've only got a dog. <laughs> I did have that conversation with someone uh, on Saturday night when it was suggested that we would all be in a similar boat on the Sunday. I said, mate, I am going home to my in-laws and my house and my three-year-old. None of us are in the same boat. Like, oh, yeah, that's probably fair. <laughs> that is a very different boat to be in. Yes. Anyway. Anyway. Have you finished building gyms or are you just going to open another one because you're so committed to the idea of building gyms now? Uh, I can honestly say that I have no interest in building another piece of gym equipment, preferably for the rest of my life. Which means it's 
T-minus six months until Thomas opens a new gym. Yeah, just something like for that. the record. Something like that. Man, we we did Mackay in one day, which Crazy. is wild. How many so, machines were there? Oh, I don't know, 30-something. Fuck. Um, so Gold Coast took two full days, sort of like from early in the morning to very late at night time. Uh, but the issue with Gold Coast is we built it on a Monday and Tuesday, so everyone was at work. Uh, so yeah. we didn't we didn't actually have, have that the much same help. number of people yeah yeah um daniel at Southside he got his done in a day and a half uh he had a bit more help than i did um and shout out to fucking daniel and rochelle man they're two of the hardest workers that i know uh and they absolutely blitzed it there they came and helped here from early in the morning till late at night and then up in Mackay, yeah we built it in a day we had at one stage i think 40 people in there helping out just moving stuff around opening things building things uh it was an amazing team effort they've got an unreal community up there so if you're in Mackay, go check out that gym because it is seriously crazy yeah man it looks fucking sick the walkthrough videos that i had a quick look at look fucking awesome yeah and it's it's not even finished so we've got we've got an alico order coming and so that'll have all our plates and then you know a bunch of combo racks and bars and all the fancy things to come with that as well so it's it's still being built it's it's pretty crazy like to think of uh you know my original opening gym which had two shitty force usa benches a power rack 12 rubber mats on the floor and the <laughs> yeah. cheapest of the cheap bars and a few other bits and pieces yeah. to open a, a gym that looks like Mackay, which is it just crazy. like oh yeah a, a top tier equipped gym in terms of what's available now you know i actually had that photo not that photo but a photo of um of ptc canberra on day one uh yeah. pop up on my facebook memories today it was like ptc canberra initially and then what became burley strength before we moved here uh, and then it was comparing to a photo of Burley then. And now I look at Burley now, it's like, man, we have come so far yeah. from where we were. But unfortunately, I think for a lot of people, the the barrier to entry now is so much higher than what it was when we started that mm. uh, you're going to have a much harder time surviving in, in the industry that we're in with what we had initially because guys like you and I have just been around for long enough to yeah. have built up enough shit to, to be able to raise that bar, you know? Yeah, like the the original PTC Canberra was probably like five times more equipped, more well equipped than the original PTC Gold Coast. Yeah, uh, the fact that either of those and either of those gyms would not survive if they open now. No, I don't think anyway. No, especially because the guy running PTC Canberra is a fucking idiot, and you know he's learned a lot of lessons since then, but he's still a fucking idiot. One hundred percent. Yeah. Same with the Gold Coast guy. Yeah. Useless. Both useless, egotistical dickheads. Yeah, I, yeah, it's it's <laughs> it's so wild that people still uh, really chase the pipe dream of of opening the gym and like just like you and Jamie spoke about the other week. Yeah, like I mean, we so often we talk kind of negatively about it, and and it's not negative from the point of like you shouldn't do it. It's negative from the point of like know know what you're getting into before you jump That's into it. Fucking hard because none of us knew what we were getting into. We just no. jumped into it, um, and we've just been. Uh, where the exceptions not the rules right yep. so many people jump into this and fizzle out we've watched so many of these little gyms fizzle out over the years or be absorbed by other gyms um yeah it's 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 crazy you need to know what you're you're going up against and every year that goes past it's harder and harder and harder because every other gym just gets bigger and better yeah man uh kyle dobbs compound performance posted a thing that uh, instagram tile of three words on it that just said burn the boats and had a big caption about like how 
the people that succeed in the fitness industry are the ones that go in head first and have no other plan. Mm. And that's a hundred percent. The only reason I've survived is because I have no backup plan. I have no, like, this is the thing I'm going to do while I make money in the fitness industry or, or build a career. It was like, fuck it, let's do this. And somehow seven years later, I'm still here. Uh, mm. It's yeah. I w- watched a few people who like loved coaching, enjoyed the, the, yeah, the interaction, you know, being a part of the industry, but always had a real job. Mm-hmm. I always joke that I've never had a real job. Like since I opened a gym, I haven't had a real job because this yeah. has been my job and I didn't have a backup. It was like, just dive into this heap shit for several years and hopefully you'll get to a point where it works. And um, I, yeah, not I ev- think that not everyone makes it through that. I think that actually makes it uh, not simpler, but I don't think that really captures what you're actually saying uh, and you can correct me if i'm wrong but i'm i'm in the same uh, category as you it's not that we don't have a or didn't have a backup plan it's more like the idea of a backup plan doesn't exist yes like th- there is no i might need to do something else it's just like yeah. i am doing this thing and this thing succeeds the, yeah. the failure option is not an option it doesn't exist yeah. and it's not like that even makes it sound like you're telling yourself failure doesn't exist i know that you're a bit like this i'm a bit like this I never even thought of the option of failure being an option to exist. It's just like the gym works. That's it. Nothing else. Um, And I I feel like a lot of the people we know who have done well at this uh, are of the same sort of mental archetype when it comes to that. And it's a really bad mental archetype in so many ways. (laughs) (laughs) And the thing is like, I'm acutely aware that (laughs) failure, failure definitely exists. I am well aware of what it, what it feels like to be know you've got bills coming and be looking at an empty bank account. Like it's not a nice feeling. Uh, and it's like that constant level of stress that never really goes away with owning your own business. But um, but yeah, I, like I, I didn't have a backup plan. I don't have a university degree like you. Like I, I live in Canberra. I'm sure I could go and get a public service job and do enough to work my way into a public service job that pays reasonably well and is comfortable, but I'd fucking hate myself. (laughs) I would be a miserable, soppy prick to be around and life would be miserable. And so for me, it was like, well, that's not actually an option because I'd hate it. Mm -hmm. Let's just see what happens. Mm. And yeah, we've worked out. We've worked it out so far. (laughs) Yeah. No one's dead. No one's dead yet. No, no. (laughs) No one's bankrupt yet. (laughs) <laughs> yep yep yet is the key word in that sentence yeah. um, um so the you know on, on the subject of business uh i get bombarded with these stupid instagram motivation things it's like the the equivalent of a picture of a lion with like uh, train insane uh, or stay the same be a beast eat like a beast be an animal um, but for business and i hate them i hate uh, them so much because they're the cheesiest dumbest thing ever it's like if you're reading this, you will be the first millionaire in your family. Like if you agree, it's like, fuck off. I had a guy cold <clears throat> message the Burley page the other day. It was like, hey, legend, looks like you guys are doing some great work down there. How's it all going? And I looked at his profile and he's like an Instagram business coach. Mm. And I was like, oh, I like I really want to just engage you and then just rip you to pieces. But I don't have time. So I, I said something to the effect of like, hey, man, yeah, it's doing really well, uh, well enough that I don't need Instagram business coaches in inverted commas cold selling me their lead gen tactics. And he left me on scene and hasn't responded since. Oh, I was no. like, All right, cool. <laughs> no, no, uh, no. 
Um, yeah, I, I don't need that in my life because I've been through those and they suck because most of those people have no fucking idea what it takes to run the businesses we do. Mm. Not because we run particularly complex world-class businesses, but because they have no fucking idea what business is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's just, it's very similar to coaching. Like you can know people, you can know how to teach people, you can have all of those skills, but unless you know the sport, how are you going to coach them the sport? It's like they can yeah. know business, they can know sales, they need to have a unique understanding of your business, of who you're selling to, and be able to provide skills to do that. And it's like, anyway, that's that's a different subject because those people are literally just trying to make money. Uh, yes. with, with no experience whatsoever. Um, yes. But one, one of the most common things that pops up in those um, in those sort of motivational things is this idea of like work in silence, let your results speak for themselves, all this kind of thing. And the notion of it is about sort of working humbly, is about working humbly. And the idea to me of working humbly is that you're not doing it for anyone, but you and your immediate family or your, you know, you're doing it for you for your purposes. And the notion that, uh, you know, working quiet and humbly uh, so others can see your result is inherently the opposite of that. Mm-hmm. It's very much focused on what people will see and think of you. Um, and it, it, it's it sparked this question that I've been having a lot of conversations with people around, which is like, who are you actually doing this for? Either in the context of business or in training, but like, who are you doing this for? Because I think there's so much of what we do that is so heavily subconsciously not for us that we don't realize we're doing. And if we really soul search and assess and find out that it's not for us, we'd probably change what we were doing when it comes to that. And so that's that's kind of what I wanted to go down the rabbit hole of today. Yeah, man. And I, I think looking back on my own lifting, there's definitely, or even my entire athletic career, there are periods of time where I was doing things that were definitely not for me. They were for some third party that is either actually real or, or imagined. Uh, and that was what drove me and that's ultimately i think what probably held me back in a lot of areas as well Mm -hmm. like there was always these are the things i want to do because it seems like it's the cool thing to do but actually i've matured as a person to the point where all the things i do now are exclusively because i want to do them and then if people can get some benefit from that and i can make a bit of money and not have to work at a public service desk hating myself every day then life's pretty good Mm. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think especially when it comes to lifting in a sport that's so easily quantifiable, uh, people sort of, uh, and we've talked about this ad nauseum before about attaching value to like hitting a number or hitting a total or winning a competition. And so you end up chasing the result or the outcome far more than you do actually enjoying anything about the training process. Mm-hmm. And they're ultimately the people that, especially in the, in the athletic end of things don't last because it becomes this never ending rat race of chasing external gratification that begins to exist less and less because people are less and less interested in what you're doing. Hmm. Uh, and it, it's hard to sustain. For sure. And I, I think, I think there is some reason to add there as in like, you know, there, there is a place for competition. There is a place for healthy oh, yeah. competition. There is yeah. a place for a desire to beat someone, to be better than someone. Um, but again, it's going to filter back down to like, why, like, who, who are you doing that for? Are you doing it to show them that you're better than them? Um, is that a real reason to drive you? And it might be a fake reason to drive you, which is okay. Like, as in, uh, there's a, there's plenty of people I know who need to create, uh, like you said before, imagine, yeah, some, some people like thrive on the idea of, you know, 
someone or something feeling, uh, you know, believing that they're not going to succeed or wanting to see them fail because it gives them a fire to push harder. Mm-hmm. Um, I can kind of attest to that personally. Like I, but I don't, I don't imagine it from other people. I imagine it from myself. I tell myself I can't do something because I know if I believe I can't do something, I'm going to fucking try my hardest to do that thing. Um, and I don't do it as much anymore, but I used to do it in like competition a lot. I'd sit there and look at the bar and be like, you're going to fucking fail this. Like, and it's a horrible, horrible, horrible. Like I do it a lot um, in, in negative self-vocalization. I'll be, yeah. I'll be, you know, cooking something and put the wrong ingredient in the wrong bowl and be like, you're the fucking dumbest piece of shit I've ever met. <laughs> Yeah. And it's it's not a it's not a nice thing to say out loud, but it's it's just part of my psychology. That's actually a really positive thing for me because the cooking example is not a good one. But in a lot of ways, you know, in other circumstances, the idea of like me telling myself that I'm shit at something is my is my driving force to get better because oh, I'm man. so invested in being better for me, not for yep. anyone else. That's that's the thing that I've I've struggled to explain to people in the past who have heard me talk about the idea that like i don't do very well with positive reinforcement like i don't especially from people that aren't really really close to me being told i'm doing well doesn't actually help me because most of the time i'm like oh yeah like fuck your platitudes whatever uh and what i actually need to be told is like you suck at that that was really bad do this better because that gives me, like you, a, a, a point to focus on. It gives me something to work towards because I understand that I, like, I want to be better at things. I want to be better at explaining what I'm thinking about. I want to have a better model for training all because I find it fascinating myself and I just want to be the best that I can be. But I've struggled to, over the, the years to vocalize that in a way that doesn't sound like I'm just a miserable prick who hates himself. Yeah. Because actually, like, I'm really incredibly positive and love just about everything about my life. I just do really, really well <laughs> when I talk miserably about it. Like, there's, there's something about being incredibly negative to myself that really helps. You know, yeah. like calling myself a fat piece of shit when I'm making fat piece of shit decisions about things I'm putting into my body helps me. <laughs> it, it might seem like this really detrimental thing to people. And I'm sure for people who don't have a identity that is perhaps as secure as mine like i am relatively secure in my identity as a 32 year old man every year i age i seem to get more secure in who i am Mm. and therefore i do better and better with like you suck be better because (laughs) i i know what being better means yeah uh and i think from an external standpoint it's very easy to see that as like negative self-talk that can be really detrimental Mm. uh but it's really not I yep. think it just sounds like that from an external point of view, yep. but it's hard to get that message across to people because not everyone does as well as that, which is certainly a coaching lesson that I have learned many times over over the last yeah. several years. I think a big part of it as well is like you're a humble guy. And so like the pride that you feel is always internal. But you, yes. you don't sit there and be like, look at the community I've built. Look at the Look at the competitions that I've built in Canberra. When you talk about the success of your gym and the success of powerlifting in Canberra. I've, I don't think I ever hear you say I as much as I hear you say we. And when you say we, you're acknowledging that there's a broader community to, despite your leading role in that. Mm. And so when people, when people hear like self-talk and it comes out as negative, it's just because they don't hear the dialogue that you have in your own head, right? Yeah, uh, which, which overwhelmingly, like you say, is secure and as part of that is very positive. Yeah, yeah, I am... Um 
like I, I love it. I love being incredibly negative with myself. It's why I've attached. So I really love like Matt Vincent's hate brand goods idea where he talks about the hate being this, what's he got? Uh, the, I am in control of the choices I make, et cetera, et cetera, where it's all about finding the bits that you hate about it. He's like, you know, that person hates themselves more than I do. So they're going to work harder. They're going to do bigger things. They're going to do all those things that drive them forward. I fucking love that idea Hmm. because it resonates so deeply with who I am and how I think about myself and my own performance. Uh, Because it's never that I'm not happy. Like I'm happy for the most part in just about everything I do. I'm grateful for where I am in life. But I know it could be a lot better, and I hate that I'm not better, and so I want to be better. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it's it's not an easy pill to swallow if you haven't known me for very long to hear mm. me just talk about being a piece of shit and not, <laughs> be, not being any good at things. Um, but uh, yeah, not everyone perhaps works like that. So getting off the subject of us and talking about you know how we can actually relate this to the, to the average person listening to this. I think one thing that that comes with this question of like who are you doing this for automatically we are we are so inherently uh good at placing so much value on opinions that don't matter Mm. like if if you're walking down the street and a random a complete random says to you hey that green shirt you're wearing looks like shit on you you're you're probably your knee-jerk reaction probably is like who the fuck was that and what are they talking about i like my green shirt uh, it might take a day or two, but you might find yourself later on being like, maybe I really look bad in green. Like maybe maybe <laughs> this green shirt is not is not as as good. Like you put this weight on this complete random total stranger whose opinion does not matter. Yeah, we tend to do that within our circles when we hear negative things about our lifting, our coaching, our appearance. Uh, we tend to you know because the people that matter the people whose opinions matter aren't going to speak like you, you like that about you behind your back to your face whatever and so these people that are talking about you in this way their opinion does not matter but it's so easy to put so much weight and to spend so much time stressing and thinking about this opinion that doesn't matter and the more time you do that the the more time uh you, your brain is attributing or ascribing value to things that just don't mean anything yeah yeah, and I think the the somewhat impactful lesson I hope to be able to pass on to my son is the idea that the people saying those things about you are generally more a representation or a reflection of how they feel about themselves than it has anything to do with you. Mm. Uh, and I think when you can recognize that most people lashing out at other people, especially in the internet age where it's so easy to just slap comments on people's posts and you know post opinions and, and do all those sort of things. Uh, when you can recognize that most people who have the time and energy to do a lot of that are probably doing it because they feel really bad about themselves, then it's a bit easier to almost feel sorry for them in many ways. Like I... I've unfollowed a lot of people over the last couple of years who just spend their whole life either complaining about the fitness industry or whinging about or calling people out on their bullshit behavior on the internet. It's like, man, I just don't have enough time for all of those negative opinions about people to be relevant in my life. So I stop listening to them. And it means that what I get to see in my Instagram feed in my Facebook feed is a much more positive and generally uplifting feeling, which then I think helps drive people drive me forward at least you know not having to see a bunch of because i can be as salty as the next person if i really want to be uh 
I just actively choose not to be because I find it just I end up spiraling into a bitchy mood about that's good for nothing mm. whereas if I just ignore all of that and get about with my day and and recognize that uh I'm happy doing what I'm doing then it's I think it's a bit easier but um again I think it takes time and and maturity to learn that lesson right to recognize that um that yeah most of the negative voices you hear on the internet are because people have nothing better to do with their time than express negative opinions about things mm. yeah I, I completely agree with you the, the the hardest thing is that it's so much easier said than done like it's so yeah, easy it's <laughs> so easy to say like you know uh that person's just doing it to feel better about themselves or like again we 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 the the opinion of this this person this group this whatever it is doesn't actually matter because you're above them or you're doing different things than them or you know they're trying to pull them down to lift you pull you down and lift them up it's like so much easier to say just tune it out and don't listen to it than it is to actually you know look for elements of truth in that thing um i mean like (laughs) the the positions that we are in as you know uh, business owners in a very small close-knit community where there is you know potentially some bitching and gossip etc et I mean, yeah, very occasionally powerlifting is a very friendly sport that's generally above board and no one complains about ever exactly um <laughs> the, the we've had a bit of practice you know we've, yeah, we've, we've, <laughs> we've been able to thicken our skin a little bit more than the average um but yeah, it, it is so true. It is it's so like from a business perspective, the people that are trying to drag down other people's businesses are always the people with a scarcity mindset, are always the people that are insecure, that aren't doing well. Um, and again, it's like when you start to surround yourself with like-minded individuals or individuals that you aspire to be similar to, um, you start to realize that those people who might be a, a couple of notches down the ladder in terms of whatever you're trying to achieve, how little their opinion actually matters at all. Yeah. Like it's like it's easy to say that again, but once you start to, you know, spend time with people whose opinion does matter to you, you really realize how how little other people's opinions matter to you. And it becomes so much easier to tune those things out. By the way, I haven't said yet, the backdrop looks fantastic. Oh yeah, it looks good, doesn't it? I'm really stoked about it. I love the couch. Um, yeah, the Huxley's sleeping on it. Can you see I can him? see him, yeah. Um, what a big buff head. Yeah, I'm going to have to get a cover for it because he's going to put fucking saliva all over it. <laughs> um, yeah, I think uh, for a lot of coaches as well, the, that discussion about why you're doing it and the, the idea of like opening a facility, that seems to always have been the dream for a lot of people because it's this you know, streak of independence and like wanting to prove that you're valuable as a coach and that actually isn't the same thing because you and I know as much as anyone else in our situation that becoming a gym owner means you're first and foremost a gym owner and then almost always secondarily to that you're a coach Hmm. and those two are very different roles and I think from a from a coaching standpoint I would be interested to be able to go back in life five years or so and be in a position to be employed by someone who gave me the freedom to pursue coaching exclusively and like, you know, was in a position where I'm just a full-time coach. I think Mm. my coaching as a service would probably be very different. Like the vast majority of what I do would be very similar, I suspect, but there would be a lot more 
depth, I think, to some areas of my coaching because I would have been able to pursue it exclusively as a coach as opposed to as a side project to also making sure I can pay rent every month and do all those sort of things. Uh, and I think from a from a new and, and burgeoning coach's perspective, it's important to look at where you can provide value or develop value as part of a team rather than as an individual who's at the head of that position. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, and I think you know people like you and I are and will forever be on the lookout for people who are enthusiastic about learning and developing as a coach because for me that's the ability to talk to people and then the willingness to learn is far more interesting as a bare bones prospect for developing a coach than someone who comes to the table with all these preconceived notions about exactly what coaching is Mm -hmm. uh, and then a desire to just build up enough to then go and open their own gym Mm -hmm. and then I think you can recognize that you're doing it because you want to be the best coach you can be as opposed to because you're in a position where you want the validation of owning a facility like being in a position where your name's on the door isn't necessarily validation especially now it was five or ten years ago but it's not in the same way now because like we said earlier that barrier to entry is so much higher Mm. so it's less of a validation from an external at least from my point of view now for me, it's less of a validation of your uh, abilities as a coach because you own a facility than it is your willingness to like roll the dice. Mm. Uh, and I think as a coach, if you can recognize that maybe that's not what you want to do and you do just want to be a really good coach, then that can set you up to make better decisions about where you go in terms of learning, where you go in terms of employment, how you go about pursuing growth Mm. uh, because it's not just about that end goal being having to pay a fucking massive rent check every month. (laughs) Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I mean, like so much of that still stems back to that question, like who are you doing this for? And like what what would be the reason of opening that facility? Like who, who do you truly want to do that for i mean it even comes into the coaching conversation it's like who are you doing this for works in the other direction you know coaches uh, so often you know people who want to get into coaching just like i love the sport or i love helping people and i just really want to help people get to their goals and i just want to do this to help people out i'm like that's not why you want to do this that's part of what you can achieve by doing this but if that's why you want to do this then you better get a day job you better you know get the cheapest accommodation you can find learn to live off two minute noodles because if your ultimate goal is altruism and you don't have a financial backing how the fuck are you going to make any money the sooner you can realize i'm doing this as a job part of a job is earning money part of earning money is running my business with a, a sense of financial savviness then you realize as an outcome of your job you can help people you can take you can kill two birds with the boat you can kill two birds with one stone right you can you can do both things at the same time the certain the, the sooner you come to that realization the less time you're going to spend fucking around trying to work out why your business isn't working mm. um so many people come into it from this altruistic perspective it's like it's exactly the same with weight loss you know people are like i i want to um you know i want to get to this number it's like no you don't you want to look a particular way the number actually doesn't mean anything to you you just want to look a particular way the sooner you realize that the sooner you can really you know uh, get your head around what progress looks like in that context 
and yeah. it, it, it applies in so many areas of what we do in strength training coaching business come back to that question of who is this for figure out who it's for the sooner you can come to terms with who it is for the sooner you can change the things that you're doing for the wrong people or for the wrong reasons the sooner you can refine your systems refine your direction the sooner you're going to be better at what you're doing yeah man that's it it's one of the reasons i don't do anything for free anymore mm. i've like I, I have all of those feelings about what I'm doing, you know, like lifting weights, competing in powerlifting has had such an overwhelmingly positive experience, uh, influence on my life. I like the idea of sharing that message with people. Mm. I also have bills to pay. Yeah. And what I've discovered in the past is that when you offer free workshops and free seminars and things like that, you get nothing out of them. I spend, you know, 10, 15 hours putting together a two hour workshop it's free and then a bunch of people come most people don't listen or come and ask a bunch of questions that indicate they've actually just come for confirmation of their own thoughts rather than actually to learn anything and you go away and you haven't really made any actual impact mm -hmm. change it to a position where like i run a f six hour workshop and it's 150 160 bucks and people walk away having genuinely had a very positive experience and some of those people go on then to be ongoing members and stuff like that and then others go away and they've got the value they needed out of that one day and they go away and make positive change in their life but in mm -hmm. the end it still helped me pay bills which is yeah. as you said the goal right like i'm doing this because i don't want to have to have another job i like doing this as a job so i'm in a position where my time becomes far more valuable Mm -hmm. if you're in this industry as well like if you're a coach or a business owner in this industry you need to make a stand and stop giving out things for free as well because it's like created this expectation that things will be free and then Fuck when you both. apply it to any other fucking business it's like the local pizza shop opens day one they don't give out a shitload of free pizza the local mechanic opens they don't give a shitload of free services to every new customer that comes along no they're like i'm a mechanic i can fix your car bring me your car and give me the money for it like yeah man why, why are we any different why are we giving our time our energy our staff away for free when we're providing a service that's built on years of experience and knowledge and all the rest of it yeah uh, and like i i did a six hour workshop that came with like six and a half or seven hours worth of pre-recorded content i probably put close to 100 hours worth of work into that whole thing to be presented and then to you know have it go at 150 160 bucks or whatever the ticket was like i'm not giving that shit away for free but it's mm. also then part of my business model where it's like hey you you buy a ticket to this and then the next step is we go into coaching and this is where it goes and like it, it's a funnel right that's how good business is built but no step in that funnel is free like this is the free content we provide mm. this is the the free service it's posting on instagram it's doing those sort of things but for me none of this none of the podcast none of the stuff i put on instagram or facebook is about giving away free content it's actually about me solidifying my processes and my ideas and my thought processes mm -hmm. which then mean i provide a better product mm. it's just useful information for other people to have like you know the the hundreds of conversations we've had over the last few years have helped me in heaps of different ways develop mm -hmm. my ideas and my understanding my storytelling all of those things that mean that for the people that are paying me money they are getting a better product yeah none of that is because i want their money and i want more of it and i want to lie on a big pile of cash it's underlying driver is because i'm fascinated by the whole process and mm -hmm. i want to be better at coaching 
I also want to be able to pay my bills as a coach. And so be, to be able to do that, I have to develop all of these skills and do all of these things that go with developing an understanding of what I'm doing. So the product I'm providing is is of value to the person buying it. Hmm. Perfect. All right. That's it. Sweet. Goodbye. Happy. See you next time.